Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. Today we're uh, here to talk about JR's pick, Memories of Murder, from 2003, directed by Junho Bong? Bong Junho. Don't they, like, change the uh, order of the names, though, sometimes? I feel like I've seen, like, and Park Chan-wook, too, like, I've seen, like, his name pronounced in a different order sometimes. Yeah, I'm pretty so sure we Bong... Had- Bong is the surname. That's the family name. Ah, and that comes go. first. So it's like Jun Ho Bong would be the well, anglicized. Uh... Yes. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to call him Director Bong, like right. all of his actors do. Oh, do they really? Yeah. So pro- that's a thing. Oh, okay. So proper. Uh, we're going to be wa- we're talking about Memories of Murder and uh, other stuff we watched. Uh, I don't know. How's everything? How's everybody doing? <laughs> Well, I was telling I was telling Jr. Apparently, I'm like the only person in Baton Rouge who hasn't gotten the flu over the past two weeks. Yeah, I had the so. flu earlier this week, uh, or last week, I guess. Had mm. a massive fever for like three days. Went to the doctor. He gave me some stuff. I'm feeling feeling much better now. Great. Then my daughter well, had pneumonia, so she had to get antibiotics. It was mm. a big to do, but uh, you know, damn, she's better now. Everything's fine. That's good. So it's all good. But anyways, uh, you know, enough of, enough of that shit. Yeah. Let's uh, let's just jump right in. What what do we watch? Who wants to start? I'll start to uh, to celebrate having working electricity throughout my house again. I I uh, fired up the Blu-ray player, which I was not able to do for for about a month. What? What? I couldn't what? have a couldn't have a Blu-ray player and a TV on at the same time, or it would trip uh, the electricity. Oh no and, shit! Yeah, it was bad. Uh, so I watched uh, watched Loose and Them That Follow the other night, and uh, I no, you guys talked about Loose before. Oh, I I did. I saw it in New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. Cool. Uh, so Loose is. Uh, you know, from director Julius Ona, and it's, you know, as you mentioned, it's about this uh, high school senior, a golden child who's also an adopted former, uh, like, African soldier, child soldier of war, right? Child yeah, soldier? child Just, soldier, okay. And it's like, is he ruining a teacher's life on purpose? Huh? That's the mystery. And, uh... <laughs> great, The kid great is mystery. Kelvin Harrison Jr., the teacher is Octavia Spencer... And I, you know, this is a, it's not like a very compelling mystery, though it's not like a mystery film, but like this. It kind of is. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on in it. They're going for some reveals that I don't think were very interesting. And part of that is because Octavia Spencer is, you know, kind of the co-author of her own downfall because uh, she just does things a teacher should not do like she just is like oh i'll keep it a secret who's reporting these sexual crimes and not immediately tell my superiors which is just an awful awful plan um but all like all the actors are great um the students parents are tim roth and naomi watts i think they're really good i love Tim Roth in this. Yeah. I think you had mentioned yeah, like he's he just out. like lays about. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's just so subtle. I love it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, the movie really ends up being more about the parents and how they react to what's going on. And it kind of, 
ends up with this uh, muddled message that, you know, I don't really want to, like, spoil the end or anything, but uh, they definitely have um, problems with the reality of their son's personality that they're just, like, Naomi Watts just really wants to ignore them for a, uh, a greater societal good. It's It's fascinating, and it's, you know, it kind of left me... It's, it's a movie that leaves you thinking without having like a super interesting conclusion. Yeah, yeah. I was just um, thinking about how boring it was when I got done with it. <laughs> I wouldn't. Man. Boring was. I didn't. Think, I didn't find it boring. It's for uh, me. For me. It's a personal thing. <laughs> I think it. I think it could have been more. Yeah, in general. I agree. I found uh, I found it like uh, a little bit muddled too, like with all the uh, just overcrowded with plot. Like whereas it should have yeah. been a character study, but it had so much plot and like all like the stuff with Octavia Spencer's sister. You could have just cut all of that stuff, like completely yeah, I, useless. Well, they couldn't be, because of the way they engineered it. So exactly. Like yeah, exactly. Exactly. A but crisis. If you but if you get rid of her and you rewrite it a different way, I think it might have been a stronger, tighter film. Yes, and and then there's also just like, like the girlfriend slash ex girlfriend, and yeah. then like the kid who was kicked off of the track team for Wii. There's just there's so many just parts yeah. that <laughs> feel just feels like a bit much. I agree, a lot going uh, on, a lot going on. But again, I like the performances a lot, so I gave it a seven out of ten. Seven, excuse me, what? Whoa, 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 whoa! I gave it a three and a half out of five. So sorry, fucking Nick from uh, and Film then Shake over on, here. Uh, <laughs> Then I put on Them That Follow, um, which is the movie about the uh, like the Appalachian area church congregation that uh, handles venomous snakes to prove their faith in God. Have you sure. guys heard of this? Holy Ghost mm. People. There's a documentary from the 60s called Holy Ghost People about uh, yeah. about this uh, church like this. Mm. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is with uh, What's-His-Face from The Shield, right? Walton Goggins. Yeah, Walton from... Goggins. I thought oh. I saw a trailer for Walton this. Walton Goggins from Justified. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> he's on. He's better on the Shield. <laughs> um, so Walton this is Goggins like... from everything. He's in everything. Tarantino's. Yeah, Tarantino's guy recently. <laughs> the uh, like with a premise like this, I just don't know how. It's like hard for me to think of how they fucked this up, but they didn't. Um, <laughs> Olivia so Coleman's Walton... in it. What? Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, Walton Goggins is like this preacher patriarch of this congregation that, yeah, handles the venomous. He handles the venomous snakes. Uh, his daughter is in love with a non-believer, but is arranged to marry like a, a man of the congregation. And uh, Olivia Coleman is kind of like this just town matriarch, uh, no, like not related to or married to Walton Goggins, but she's just kind of in charge of keeping all the women. <coughs> sort of Mm -hmm. in line there are all these just you know we would think of them as very like rural almost like turn of the 19th century customs like all the women wear dresses and have to have their hair a certain way and can't spend time with uh males without supervision like all this stuff um and just this just feels like a really cool setup to me and uh and then it just plays out with just zero surprises. And mm-hmm. uh, the first 45 minutes end up kind of feeling like a waste of time before we get to this inevitable turning point that has a uh, just sort of this preordained climactic scene that features uh, Jim Gaffigan with an electric saw. 
Nice. But uh, not even that can save it. <laughs> wow. Is it? Uh, <laughs> tell me it doesn't go supernatural. No, it does not okay, go supernatural. Okay, that's good. Mm. Um, <laughs> that that be... would have been a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, like, it's like it, it reminds me of like Red State. And at the end of Red State, I remember thinking like, this movie will be way better if uh, God actually comes down from the heavens and like, you know, annihilates everybody mm. and then it doesn't happen. But apparently like that was his original plan, but he got cold feet about it. Uh, just such a, such a better idea. Yeah. He's such a pussy though. I know. Okay. Right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean like Olivia Coleman is like, she has turned, I mean, I love Olivia Coleman, but she's just is not doing much. I think she's going way too subtle and this matriarch woman is just kind of this dud of a of a human, mm. but like Walton Goggins is good. Uh, all these other character actors like um, like Jim Gaffigan and Caitlin Dever Dever, who was in Booksmart, mm. like they're good in smaller roles. But uh, just yeah, there's nothing. Since when is Jim Gaffigan awesome. a character actor? You know what I mean? Like it feels like just recently Since... he's he's been in movies and he's like acting and trying to take himself mm-hmm. seriously, but he's he's just like a goofy stand-up comic. I don't know where does this well, come from. I don't he's know. Like ever since the boys that started in like two thousand seven, like that TBS show where no, he I don't was know uh, what that is. <laughs> the boys called my my boys. Oh right, it was like a sitcom. And oh, it was, was with the girl, like the girl, and she's got male friends or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah okay. And and Gavigan was he was the the friend that had the. Uh, the family, so he wasn't cool, so he wasn't yeah. in it a ton. Right. right, but I mean, he's been acting pretty regularly since then. It just feels yeah. like he, he's famous. Of... He's famous for stand-up, though. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Still, yeah, he's still releasing them. It's like Brian Posehn. Like Brian Posehn's a stand-up comic. He acts sometimes, but he's a stand-up comic. Right. Let's not get crazy. I mean, yeah. he is on The Mandalorian, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, in this, you know, like. Jim Gaffigan is not doing Jim Gaffigan things like in the sitcom where he's acting. Yeah, he was being, you know, funny dad. And in his own sitcom that ended a couple years ago, he was being funny Jim Gaffigan dad. Sure. Uh, he is recognizable as Jim Gaffigan only in appearance. And he's also just like a large, weird looking dude. And yeah. he fits yeah. right into this community. Well. Have to take your word so. for it because I will never see this movie. But uh... yeah, yeah, that's fine. You don't need to see <laughs> yeah, this movie. I won't. I'm gonna skip it. All right, Kevin. Yeah. So I watched. I watched. I walk alone because I saw that it was a film noir that had Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas and Killer Green Day soundtrack. Oh, totally. totally. I walk alone. <laughs> My shadow. Go ahead. Yeah. Like this was the first movie that they did together, and it's it's not very good. Um, mm, bummer. Yeah, Burt Lancaster like uh, took the fall for Kirk Douglas and um, spent like fifteen, sixteen years in prison, like a like a long time, and like he's laboring under the delusion that. Um, Kirk Douglas is going to take care of him when he gets out of jail. But then Kirk's like, nah, bruh. And so Burt Lancaster tries to, you know, tries to start getting some revenge and Kirk Douglas is undercutting him. And, uh, yeah, like good performances from the two of them and, um, and Wendell Corey, who would go on to be the, the cop in rear window. But, uh, the the rest of it just isn't that interesting. So mm. yeah, 
And I was I was disappointed too because coming off of uh, the Devil's Disciple, which was really good, I was like, "But these are my guys, Bert and Kirk. Like these are my guys." And I was like, "No, can't win them all, Kevin." That's true. Uh, all right, I watched uh, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Did you guys check this out? No, I'm oh. an adult. <laughs> quick quick side note. Yeah. Did you guys see the latest um <clears throat> Criterion thing? Like they're going to be doing In a release of Roma. February, yeah. Yeah. I was I was interested cuz like it's a Netflix original but Criterion is doing a release of it. So Well, Netflix doesn't hardly even release their movies. Right. On uh, blue, they release their TV shows like The Crown yeah. and such mm-hmm. yeah, on and DVD, Stranger, Stranger Things and such. I know that, uh, like, yeah, like Beasts of No Nation, I don't think ever got a release. Mm. And, uh, Which is a shame because that was good. And obviously, a lot of their other, yeah, you know, like their lesser known mute and so forth. Yeah, but um, I believe this movie will probably get a release at some point because mm. it's uh, related to Breaking Bad and it's right. a big, you know, money maker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I liked it a lot. I quite enjoyed it. Uh, it's directed by Vince Gilligan, the creator of the show. And uh, it's just, you know, almost 100% Walt free, which is real, a real plus, I think, uh, coming off of the show. You know, I th- I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but Brian Cranston, a little bit overrated uh, in, in the role, you know, took it to places where maybe a little bit too far, a little bit over the top. And uh, I think uh, Aaron Paul plays uh jesse pretty well here there's a a little problematic because he's like well it happened in the uh from whatever season you know five to six or whatever where he just like he bulked up and he stops being skinny starts being like thick looking oh okay (laughs) so it's a little weird uh especially since he's supposed to have been held captive and like you know half starved oh right you know prior to the uh the film starting but he's pretty big and uh, it also uh, in the flat. There's flashbacks with Jesse Plemons's character, and he's he's he must have put on 20 pounds since the end of the show Ooh. too. He looks terrible, and uh, so it's a little, you know, probably little, for a role. Like he's right, very serious. Yeah. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 he is. Yeah. He uh, I think he's in the Irishman. So mm. maybe maybe he's taking it taking it to the next level for Pacino and and Bob. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, El Camino. Good, great scene of violence about three quarters of the way through. Really good scene. Just beautiful. Beautiful squib action. Cool. Uh, JR's just shaking his hand. He just hates this fucking thing. What's the problem, JR? You don't like Breaking Bad? No, Breaking Bad was stupid. Whoa. I, like, Whoa. Talk about a hot take. Was, that is a hot take. <laughs> Straight up. I just do not like that show. How much uh, of it, it did like, you watch and give a chance Technically, visually impressive, and I just... It kind of like... That's like a reason I don't watch TV, because I hated that show. Wow. That's... Hated Breaking Bad. I know. Wow. I I don't know if that's actually true. I just uh, <laughs> I I enjoy. I never enjoyed like a minute of it. And how much I did you watch? Was, I watched the whole thing. Oh. And, and that's <laughs> what like, the fuck? Why? Because wow. I kept because everyone kept telling me it was like the best fucking thing in the world. And so this was a time when I was like, all right, I'm just gonna keep going and see what people just you know. Yeah. I, what I don't? Want what can I ask? Can well. you articulate what you don't like about it? Uh. Not really, just because it's been so okay. long. Like, I watched the final season as it came on, and that was, mm-hmm. what, three or four years ago? Uh, six years ago. Six years ago, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I guess it makes sense why I don't remember it very well. Um, 
I just remember feeling it was like so just empty. Like mm. there was a show without any substance where it just like cool shit happened occasionally. And I was like, all yeah, right, cool. Ryan okay. directed this episode where they're trying to catch a fly. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Ruin, right. ruin, yeah. ruin Roundhead Johnson directed that episode before he uh, ruined Star Wars. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I, w- I wish. Know. I'll go back and rewatch the whole thing. So no, 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 no. Don't, please, don't, not on my account. <laughs> well, I mean, this is an instance where I would say, like, like was it just like the fact that it was overhyped that was turning you against it or were you able to like kind of put that aside and usually usually when that happens i can be like oh this is overrated and i still like it okay this was like i just really actively disliked so you're off Mm. tv then this is why you're not watching mandalorian yeah this is why right right right. this is why i don't watch the star wars show (laughs) franchise i care so much about yeah uh He's yeah, a, I mean, he's I, a Trekkie at heart. Right. I watch, uh, I watch The Good Place. Oh, Jesus. That's what you watch as Dude, far as TV? Is that because of your wife or what? <laughs> no. No? you do. I just like it. Um, okay. So weird. I don't... I was like, maybe I'll start The Righteous Gemstones. Mm. And uh, mm. maybe I'll start the His Dark Materials series because I like that book. But I read, I watched Materials uh, fucking rules. Uh, I watched the first half of the first episode of Watchmen. Oh yeah, it was okay. I didn't, didn't finish. I it. did mm. not consider that, but I, I've heard it's good. Yeah, I hear it's good. I don't know. I hear the third episode is where it really picks up, but I don't mm. know if I have the energy. I've got too much right, of uh, sorry, sorry to hijack this. Too much of the Connors to watch, you know. Oh right, I yeah. watch the Connors every week. <sighs> yeah, Jesus yeah. <laughs> Love Sarah Gilbert. Anyway, uh, yeah. So okay, well, gave El Camino four to five. Jr. All right. Well, while you were watching a stupid <laughs> Netflix TV movie, <laughs> I was watching a real movie called Dolomite Is My Name. Oh Jesus! Which is also Eddie a Murphy. Netflix movie. Yes, it is. <laughs> Um. <laughs> I considered watching this. I just, I really, I have so little interest. I hear, I only hear good things about it, though. Everybody oh, okay. says it's amazing. Yeah, well, it's it's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Um, I mean, it is perfectly enjoyable, and uh, Eddie Murphy is fun. He plays uh, Rudy Ray Moore, who creates the character Dolomite and finds cult success. He then like. Struggles for a few minutes of screen time and then, uh, you know, can't find funding to produce a movie about Dolomite, but then he does. And then he makes the movie with uh, Wesley Snipes. Oh, my God. Wesley Snipes as the uh, <laughs> kind of washed up actor as a director and uh, finds cult success. And, uh, you know, this is another movie with no surprises at all and it doesn't give you any like interesting info about rudy ray moore um it is like a it's just like a feel-good movie and wesley snipes is great so craig brewer's best reason to film? Watch it, that what craig brewer's best career best Fuck. what's he done besides hustle and flow uh black snake moan and the dirty dancing remake he or ha- havana nights or whatever i think wow hey, hustle and flow is probably still his best I remember loving Black Snake Moan, but I haven't seen it since the theater. So I do not remember that. Um, yeah, there's no substance at all. It's a three out of five, bummer, um, bummer. but it's also just like put it on in the background for an hour and forty minutes, and it's great. It seems like the kind of movie that is so bland it will get nominated for multiple Oscars, though. Am I right? 
I I don't I don't know who you could nominate besides Eddie Murphy. I don't think you got to get Eddie in there. Well, that's I don't one. think Wesley Snipes is a uh, supporting actor. No, I mean he's like the one he he deserves it if 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 anyone does, but he wasn't in it enough, and they're probably not going to even campaign for that. I don't know. I, they're campaigning. Did you guys hear they're campaigning actively for uh, John Travolta for best actor for that uh, fanatic movie he's in that Fred Durst directed? What? Yeah. They like released an, uh, an ad in some in like Variety or something. It's like for your consideration. <laughs> John Travolta's wow. the best actor. Have you guys seen the trailer to this movie? No. It is goofy. Oh my goodness. Oh. He's got like a weird that... bowl cut. <laughs> He tortures Devin Sawa's character, who plays in Devin Celebrity. Sawa. Devin Sawa. Yeah. I haven't heard that name in forever. Who's, who's like 45 and looks completely weird. Ooh. Yeah. Really bizarre. Anyway. Now, now I want to watch it. <laughs> Just for Devin. Kevin. No, big, big Idle Hands fan. Ah, oh, yeah. man. That Final Destination. Movie. And Little Giants. <laughs> yeah, Little Giants. <laughs> so I finally got around to watching uh, Midsummer. 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 Mm-hmm. Um Not good. Oh. I gotta like. All right, I'm out. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I just like. This is Jared's number one movie of the year. Oh, I guess. It's not. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I I thought the 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 visual stuff. I thought was really really good. It looks it looks amazing. I liked how. Um. The um. Like only like certain parts of things would like get uh, you know blurry or start looking weird or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I could not care about any of the characters. I could not care about the whole Americans are shitty to other cultures message that was all the way through it. I could not care about the blatant Wicker Man ripoff. It just was not interesting in any way. Um, and the performances were really only so-so. Um, yeah. And, and this yeah, this movie blows. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this my, movie. Uh, my next deep dive pick is the director's cut, so get ready. Oh, boy. <laughs> Shit. I, you could do that, and I wouldn't even be bought. I would literally watch that just to give it another shot. Because, I mean, I like Ari Aster. Like, I want to like it, but it's just not. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, because like, I, had, I had high hopes after uh, Hereditary, yeah. which, like, I was, I was watching a thing about Hereditary uh, this past uh, week or two. Um, the angry video game nerd, like, he also, like, does, like, a lot of movie stuff. And, like, he did a review... For, of uh, Hereditary, and like they were, t- they were talking about how, like, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Hereditary, they were talking about how at the very, like, the very, very end, it finally hit them that this was Rosemary's Baby, and I was like, "Are you serious?" I knew that it was Rosemary's Baby like a good like forty five minutes before the end, like as soon as as soon as she goes into the old folks' home and is looking for the woman and starts finding all the stuff around there. Okay, I was like, okay, this is Rosemary's baby. Um but yeah, so like I mean, I I I have high hopes, well, high-ish hopes that Ari Aster will be coming out with something a little more original next time around because like I mean, they they're not like straight remakes of these movies. But, like, they just reek of the influence of 
those movies. Yeah, I can see that. I, so, I don't. Hmm. I like. I don't think I don't I don't is, I don't agree that her, Hereditary is more original though than Midsummer. Midsummer, is, I, w- I would agree. I Midsummer would agree. is very much obviously in the tradition of of Wicker Man. I mean, you can't argue with that. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to argue that it's it's not taking its cues from Wicker Man. I just I think that it's I I just think it's putting like a specific uh, like dramatic domestic scenario into the trappings of a wicker man movie which is what makes it different than wicker man i agree i can see that but i also like did not like the boyfriend i was like oh my god when is this guy gonna die like i know he's gonna die let's just see him die already because he's such an asshole and (laughs) like and then like the whole thing the whole thing with the other guy and them like arguing about like what they're gonna do what they're gonna do their dissertations on it's like Oh my god, both of you guys need to shut up. You're, uh, just, that guy you're just idiots. In, that guy's in a good place. He's oh, right. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> and we know why JR likes this movie so much. That's, yeah. The, that good place stunt Mystery casting. is revealed. Yeah. yeah. Predictable guy. Then, <laughs> like, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well. Yeah. So well, yeah, two out of five. Two. Mm. Well, um, did you, now, who, who, did you guys both see the joke, Joker movie? Joker? I did not, but I don't mind if you want to get into spoilers or about about JR, it. JR, you saw Joker? I did, and I almost just brought it up as like a Kevin's criticism of the originality of <laughs> uh, Ari Aster is exactly how I was feeling through much of Joker. Like, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, okay, so yeah, I watched Joker. So is it like literally watching? Um, oh, what's what's the movie? What King of Comedy? King of Comedy. I mean, it's like a hack trying to recreate it, but yeah. Mm. I I wouldn't even I mean yeah it's like it's like if uh, it feels like Todd Phillips is trying to make the king of comedy except he went in a time machine and turned himself into a 16 year old emo kid and uh, and it's like just real like just like really lots of senseless violent like graphic violence uh, overly grim just like all like to the point of silliness uh, and uh, a climax that really just Ah, it's just so I can't even believe people are like enjoying this movie as much as they are. It's just shocking to me. Mm. Um, so at the, I'm gonna I'm gonna go straight to the end here. Sure. So not the end of the story, just like my overall thoughts. Like at the end of the day, this is just a comic book movie with a bunch of silly comic book movie shit. Uh, mm. But it just has like these trappings of. Uh, of Scorsese stuff and it just like it feels like you're watching and you're like oh man this movie really thinks that it's like trying to say something mm-hmm. mm. but it is not saying anything <laughs> there's like no message here about like wealth or class there's no message about violence it's all just it's completely surface stupid. level it's not it like barely yeah. scrapes the surface of any kind of actual problem that society is facing now or was facing in the 80s and the just his like his ridiculous monologue at the end to De Niro's character where they're trying to have some kind of like dialogue about the situation and he's just like people in society don't treat each other right and it's just like it's just so t- it's such a tired message <laughs> just like it's so transparent and so boring and i yeah it's just uh, didactic and uh, obnoxious and 
I mean, I'm yeah, I'm sorry. Like this is not a very good movie at all. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, people are are praising uh, Phoenix's performance, and I, even that, I feel like he's just so like goofy and over the top, and it just feels very very indulgent. Like he's just like they, they just turn the camera on and just let him do whatever the fuck he wanted to do, and there was no notes for him at all, and they mm-hmm. they were afraid to tell him anything because Todd Phillips has never really worked with an actor before. You know, so it's like, I mean, you know, saying, no, nothing gets Bradley saying, Cooper, but <laughs> wait, Bradley Cooper. I'm talking about Zach go. Galifianakis. Exactly. I was, I was let's go let's, Zach, let's yeah. get to the real. Let's get to the real nitty gritty of who's the actor in those movies. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, Heather, Graham, Heather Graham. Heather Graham. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but you know, it's just, or it's just, uh, yeah, it just didn't didn't work for me. On on, mm. I mean, I think it looked good. I think it was shot well. Uh, yeah, I mean it's completely aping Scorsese, but at the same time, it kind of like has this almost like Tim Burtony darkness to it at times, oh, uh, which you know, I, again, yeah, I think it's <laughs> JR's talking about with the whole. It, it is very comic booky, mm. and uh, I mean, I mean, like the way that they bring like Bruce Wayne into this thing is yeah. both so obvious and just like so stupid. Like yeah. why? Isn't like Bruce... we all know, we're watching the Joker movie. Why it's called are we Joker? Bruce Wayne into this, <laughs> right? This is fucking stupid. Yeah, and like, isn't like Bruce Wayne like a kid? Yeah. Does yeah. does does oh, the Joker does the Joker uh, kill his parents? No. Okay. No, but you do see his parents die. Of course, of course, of you, course you do. Yeah, of course. Okay. Even though this movie has nothing to do with that, right? Because I was just you thinking, have to like, see his parents get killed. Like I know they made such a they made such a big deal about uh, it not being in the broader DC universe, but like even like like so, however old Joaquin Phoenix is, he's gonna be like. 20 years older so like no he's like 40 years older there are questions i mean there's obviously a question of is he is he the joker and i mean the, i think the answer is obviously no he's not the joker he's the guy who started a a political movement uh in which everybody started dressing as joker characters and eventually there will be one of those guys who becomes the joker of the dc universe i don't know jared leto <laughs> you yeah. What a fucking cop out! <laughs> well, I mean, I mean that's the theory. I mean, that's not that's an assumption. That's yeah. not canon or anything. Yet, oh, okay, but, uh, okay. I mean, who could care? Honestly, it's just such <laughs> well, a yeah, it's such I mean, a boring conversation. It's like you know, it's like right. Who like what the timeline? I mean, you know, it's just like it's the same thing as like um. Just speaking of the Mandalorian, not not to get into Star Wars here because we we'll be here all day, but like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the you know there's a character on there that is the same species as Yoda. Uh-huh. And he's 50 years old, so he's still an infant. Because Yoda was 800, right? So it's like, oh, different sure. species age differently. But if you really do the math on that, like, shouldn't he be like a, at least like a like a child? Like a he shouldn't be a baby still at 50 if he's only going to live to be 800. Yeah, you know. Are they <laughs> like, trying to do like some lone wolf and cub thing with this? Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah, pretty much. Oh my god. So it seems like so far. God. Oh my okay. god. Wait, you're watching it? Yeah. What the fuck? It's is free. Happening? It's free, JR. It, it's every what <laughs> it's so many things are free. What? Oh, it's free. It's easy to I don't know. Let's talk about it. I like to be in the conversation, man. I like to be in the mix. <laughs> right. I have all well, my friends are watching it who aren't you guys and uh yeah. <laughs> I mean it's like it's like Herzog said, you know, he's gotta watch WrestleMania and the Kardashians yeah, to know what a l- large swath of the population is looking at. <laughs> look, I look I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm not a Star Wars fan that much. I mean, I'll I'm gonna see the the the, the latest the last film because it's mm. the last film, 
and I've seen all the other ones. Uh, I don't really care what happens in it. I don't. They're not going to disappoint me. I don't give a fuck. But I mean, you know, this show is just like it's just like shit you turn on and look at, and it's easy to watch. And it's they're short. They're like thirty minute episodes. I mean, it's just easy to watch. It's easy. I don't yeah. really care. I'm not going to be judged about it. So fuck you guys. Right, so I, mean, I'm, I don't to... plan on watching it until like I don't know, sometime in the future. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there are a billion things that I still have not watched that I've been meaning to watch for like years. Sure. So yeah, I'll, I'll get around to it in like, you know, a long time. Well, so would so Joker bring be in... any better if it didn't? <laughs> JR's just sorry. trying to get a word out. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go, Go ahead, JR. No, no I, I was trying to bring it back to Joker, but you did that. So keep going. <laughs> I was just going to add like, what, like would this movie stand up on its own without the Joker shit? No. Because well, it's not good anyway. Okay. But on its, if it doesn't have the Joker thing, then it's just a much more obvious ripoff, a, a violent ripoff of King of Comedy. Well, the okay. problem with it is, I mean, with it, it, that points to a, the larger issue of like cinema in general is in trouble because you can't, you wouldn't be able to make a movie about a disturbed comedian who commits violence unless you called it Joker. Yeah. And it was about the Joker and in the DC universe, you know? Right. You wouldn't get the budget. You wouldn't get it greenlit. So mm. have y'all, have y'all seen any of this uh, stuff about Watchmen and how like a bunch of like uh, nerds with nothing better to do are like really up in arms about it tackling like race relations and stuff like that? No, I haven't heard any of that. Well, okay. But nerds on the internet will be the worst. There's a lot of race about anything. So it's yeah. yeah, not surprising. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like this is this was another instance where I wondered, like, would this would this be more acceptable if it didn't have Watchmen over it, or would it just be another? No, well, again, wouldn't get made, and nobody would be watching it because there are no original IPs, and uh, nobody gives a fuck about anything unless it's based on a comic book or based on previous property or whatever. So, you know, it's like a moot point. It's like nothing. You're not, you know, you know, you're just never going to see anything original again. It's depressing. Not to sound like an old man, but I mean, you know, it's true. Yeah. And if you do see anything original, it's going to be on Netflix or on Amazon. It's not going to be in the theater. Yeah. Cinema's dead. Listen to Scorsese. Okay. <laughs> Marvel is not cinema. <laughs> anyway, I gave the Joker a two and a half because it was uh, it looked okay, and uh, the squibs were all right. <laughs> even honestly it sound, feels like a high rating to me now but uh <laughs> but uh yeah. but i don't know didn't like go it. um look go see parasite for a much better comment on class uh go see any other superhero movie for a better superhero movie and uh go see any scorsese movie for a better scorsese movie amen so, yeah. amen cool even coon dune it's better than <laughs> <laughs> Didn't, no, yeah, just kidding. I, mean, I, I haven't seen Kundun. I don't know. <laughs> I remember enjoying it. Yeah. All right, but not much else. So. I guess that was me and Jr. doing Joker. So Kevin, uh, let's see. Is that fair, Jr.? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, that's that's let's fair. See. So I let's see. I'll do I'll do a couple of quick ones. So I rewatched all of Neil. Blomkamp. Neil Blomkamp's movies. Well, all of his features. Whoa. Yeah. All three of his features? All three of his features. <laughs> Wait, what's the third one? 
Elysium. Chappie. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Dis- about District that. 9, Elysium, and Chappie. Um, <coughs> yeah, just. <coughs> not, not, Sorry. Just not particularly interesting. Uh, any good, of them, good really. special effects, man. Yeah, good special effects. Like, like the special effects in these movies are pretty seamless. Yeah, and that's that's well, like and, and like Elys- District Nine holds up like ten years later, mm-hmm. which you know it's hard to say about anything with uh, CGI. But uh, yeah, uh, Charlto Copley, he's entertaining. Um, he is in all of them. Uh, yeah, he is. Um. I like Hugh Jackman in Chappie. Like I believe him as that character. I like his shorts. Yeah. Wait. Is Chappie the like the robot boxing movie? No. No, that's Chappie that's is real, the RoboCop re, 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 ripoff movie. Yes. Yeah. Is, is Hugh Jackman also in the robot yeah, boxing yeah. movie? Yeah, he's in Real Steel. Yeah. Hot damn. All right, never mind. Yeah. Sorry. He's in a lot of robot movies this guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um yeah, they're just yeah. Nothing particularly bad about them, but nothing particularly good about them either. Middle, and especially like uh, like and like Jodie Foster in Elysium, like what the fuck was she thinking? She's like she's just like paycheck baby, paycheck. Well, not only that, like like she's just so like obviously evil, and it's and so like she's reprising smug. her <laughs> reprising her character from Inside Man. Oh right! It's pretty much who she plays in that movie. I should watch that again. Isn't uh, isn't Snowpiercer like the same exact movie as Elysium? Yeah, pretty much. Only it's on a but train. better. And uh, yeah. I just watched Alita: Battle Angel. It's the same movie too. Yeah, mm. yeah. That movie's stupid. Okay. <laughs> a lot, of, a lot of stupid today. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, can't can't even really think of anything to say about this. That's movies. okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, I rewatched uh, Casablanca. That that movie fucking rules. Five out of five every day of the week and twice on Sundays. I haven't never seen a Casablanca. I never seen any Humphrey Bogart movie. I would like definitely. <laughs> I love it. I love how Jr. gets upset. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Got Treasure of Sierra Madre in my queue. Haven't watched it yet. That's a good busy watching Roseanne reruns. <laughs> <laughs> just saw a Halloween episode from season four. Just so good, so funny. Oh man. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, right. um, I uh, I uh, I watched Cold Mountain. Rewatch Cold Mountain because I was just jonesing after mm. watching Gettysburg, and you know it's just it's it's got some uh, real problems real problems but i really I like s- it a lot i saw your rating on that i was like ooh, yeah i, I like i like it uh <laughs> i gave it a heart i like it i like cold mountain uh, i saw it four times in the theater i was a big big fan did your did your rating come down yeah i, I was thinking it was going to be a five to be honest but yeah, the way um, you talk about it i would have yeah five well i i really uh they're just um I don't even know if I can articulate what the issues are, but I I know I know what the criticisms are from others about. It. I've read reviews of it and mm-hmm. I can see their point. But it I don't care. I like it. I think it's really good. <laughs> and especially the opening scene, the battle at the opening of the film is got to be like the grossest 
battle I've ever seen on film. It's just so nasty and muddy mm. and bloody and sweaty and disgusting. I just fucking love it. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's solid. Then uh, my friend Rustin and I went to go see The Lighthouse, which is uh, the new Robert Eckers movie. I was really upset that I wasn't able to see that in the theater. Sorry, uh, buddy. It's already gone? Yeah. It, it was. I think it played for like a week and a half here. In like, mul- in, like, multiple theaters, too. Yeah, I saw it opening night. That's how you got to do it. No, I... Uh, <laughs> but uh, I will say uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's uh, maybe not quite... I th- I don't know. I, I don't know if I... I maybe like The Witch better, uh, Eggers' first film. Mm. But there is a lot that I appreciate about The Lighthouse, and uh, I found moments of it to be transcendent. And Willem Dafoe is, I mean, you know, just reliably, he's just a great, just a great performer. You're never going to see a Dafoe, even in a, even in a shit movie, Dafoe can be in a shit movie and he's still good in it. You know, Mm. he can phone it in and it's still interesting. Like in John Wick, (laughs) like he's barely in John Wick and he like, there's no reason to have Willem Dafoe in John Wick, but he's fun. He's just like one of his buddies, some other hitman. I don't know. He has a sniper rifle. Oh, gets, that's right. He gets killed I t- by the I told, mafia. I, yeah, I totally yeah, forgot. Yeah, you forget about he's him. in there because he's just not no, nothing. No reason for him to be in there. Right. Anybody could play that role, but he's fun. Yeah, uh, he's really, really good in the lighthouse. He's got some great. Uh, as uh, Steve Finkelstein from the Facebook Film Forum would say, some great word salad lines. You know, just lots, oh, man. <laughs> lots of <laughs> does he ever lots of word salad in this one. Uh, he says that as a, a negative, by the way. He hated this oh. movie. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Great imagery. I Pat, yeah, I, I think it's great. Pattinson is, uh, uh, again, uh, he, you know, Pattinson is making uh, really interesting choices in his performance. I don't know if they always are successful, his choices, but I appreciate how the risks that he's taking. Mm. And uh, I just I just love the guy. I'm very scared of Batman. And uh, <laughs> just don't I don't want to see it. I don't want it to happen. Even though I mean it's got nothing to do with like Batman. Like I'm not a, like I'm mean, I'm not anti comics. You know I read comics every day of my life. I have an iPad full of them. Okay, but uh, I you know I just don't want to see him going back down the blockbuster route. We've seen what happened <clears throat> when Kristen Stewart tried to do it over the weekend with Charlie's Angels. It tanked. Okay, it's not a good look. Don't do it. Stay in the art house. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so Lighthouse, uh, five out of five for me. JR, you saw this. I did. I, I, I didn't write down my notes right after I saw it like I should have. Uh, so here's what I wrote down for the Lighthouse. What? <laughs> um, and then I wish I had written down the lines I loved right after I saw the movie because there are some great fucking insults. Yeah. Uh, yeah. in this movie. Really good. And uh, yeah, that th- I, I really enjoyed almost all of the lighthouse. I, uh, you know, it felt like a movie where I kind of walk out, not knowing why exactly I like it. Cause I don't know exactly what everything means yet. I still don't. There's a lot of ambiguity at work. Um, really loved that. Uh, the lighthouse at the center of it reminded me of the lighthouse in the, book annihilation not the movie Mm. annihilation um i mean it's there's just something 
oddly supernatural, possibly supernatural going on. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, and you know, I love every time I can see Robert Pattinson acting, uh, opposite a seagull. I, I will, I will tune in for that. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a four and a half and I, I definitely do like the witch more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I am eagerly anticipating rewatching the lighthouse. I like the witch, I think in as much as it's a subtler, it's subtler. Subtler, 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 subtler. Anyways, it's a more subtle film than mm-hmm. uh, The Lighthouse, and uh, it's not as obvious in its symbolism. Whereas The Lighthouse is very, very symbolic and very metaphorical and allegorical. Yeah. But uh, that's that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Love it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like The Witch because it's more ambiguous. Anyway, and more ominous, and less <laughs> comedic. <laughs> Jerry, yeah, you this can, is you a can, comedy. Oh yeah, I, I totally, totally. Well, I mean, not like a. I mean, I do Sorry, kind of. I kind of is. loathe when people say shit like that. But I mean, just. yeah. No, as soon as I said it, I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is a. It is an often funny movie. Yeah, it's mm. just, it's funny for sure. It's like uh, you know, it's like when people say Goodfellas is a comedy. I just want to wring their necks. You know, it's like yeah, it's funny. It's not a comedy. Relax. Okay. Right. It's not a fucking Will yeah. Ferrell movie. Anyway. Uh, Jerry, you want to you want to keep going? Sure, with with what? I don't yes, know. with your, a movie. Your next film? <laughs> yeah. I hate, know, I, I, I feel just, like I just feel like I've hijacked your turn twice now. <laughs> that's not a hijacking. We just saw the same movies, which is a right. that's like a that's a good thing. Um well, yeah, I thought I would uh my wife subjected me to sitting through uh the movie last christmas in the theater so i thought i would uh, subject you guys to and a this review is of the it. uh paul feig movie yeah paul feig with uh amelia clark and henry golding i'll tell christmas, you i didn't, didn't even christmas know this thing was that made it to theaters didn't even know this thing was out and i saw something about i was like last christmas i was like ah. i completely ignored it when i was looking at the listings and then somehow I saw that it was directed by Paul Feig, and I was like, this is so out of nowhere. Like, this guy, where is his career at, man? He's directing this, like, ought-to-be-straight-to-video thing <laughs> Well, it's with nobody I mean, in it. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, I don't know where you guys' lives are at or who you hang out with or anything, but uh, <laughs> Christmas rom-coms are, like, a big industry. Yeah. Like, Netflix mm. releases a few of them every week. They've been, or you know, every week of the season, they've been sure. doing that for the past few years. Yeah, uh, who releases their own? Hallmark still releases them. Um, they're just all over the place. And mm-hmm. like my wife is like her close friend group. Like they have like a shared spreadsheet where they like make notes about the ho- the Christmas movies and rate them and what's good about them. My wife, who does not give a fuck about movies, is like so into these Christmas rom coms, and they it's just it is this whole thing. And that uh, is wild. Rare That's... does something that fits so perfectly into that kind of genre come out in a theater. Yeah. So mm. uh, so they they wanted to go. Uh, but in this one, Amelia Clark is a uh, that's a Khaleesi, by the way. Sorry. Mm. Yeah. What? Uh, Khaleesi Game, like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Mother of Dragons. <laughs> okay. I watched that TV she's show. She's Sarah too. Connor from Genesis. Okay. <laughs> okay, brother. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's what I, I know her from. So Amelia Clark is this piece of shit who has shit luck and who gets shit on by a bird when uh, <laughs> she meets the attractive and aloof Henry Golding, the guy from Crazy Rich Asians, 
Um, he helps her turn her life around and mend her family relationships. Wow. But he often disappears for days on end, and he doesn't have a phone. Uh-oh. Oh. Oops. Um, Emma Thompson uh, <laughs> plays a grumpy Yugoslavian mother. It's Amelia Clark's mother. <coughs> Yugoslavian, uh, huh? she, Yeah, that's, it's, that's a, it's an important note mm. uh, because it means that Emma Thompson gets to use the accent. Uh, Emma Thompson co-wrote this movie. Oh, I, boy. Emma Thompson had a line um, that starts, before we eat this lesbian pudding. <laughs> and uh, she definitely wrote this whole movie around that one line kind of working organically into the dialogue. Wow. I am absolutely certain of this. She was like, if I make it at Christmas, I could sell it. Uh, but it's definitely it's definitely the only reason this movie exists. Um Amelia Clark and Henry Golding do not have great chemistry. Um, but the first half before she kind of like has the obligatory make herself a better person TV movie shit that before that stuff takes over, it's it's fine because uh, she is like a truly unlikable, awful person. And uh, like her boss, she works at an, a year round Christmas store. Her boss, Michelle Yao. Yo, yo, Yao. yo openly and hilariously mocks her it's often clever in the first <laughs> half and uh yeah and then that changes it like it looks better than the tv movies that i compared this to but uh and it has a really stupid twist that i think well it was spoiled on the internet before but i think a lot of people will see it coming anyway and uh it'll definitely be remembered only by the viewers of those made for tv and netflix original rom-coms only by your wife and her friend group. Yep. That well, I don't think I don't think she's the only I don't think they're the only group like that. I don't know. Because I don't I don't who think share an those, Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. I don't think those twelve girls could keep this industry humming. That's true. Uh, That's very I think true. there are many I think there are many groups of twelve girls that are doing this. Right. Fair enough. Twelve women. Mm-hmm. And right, girls. And yes, yeah, and girls. You're right. Mm. Kevin. Speaking of Crazy Rich Asians, I watched the depressing, sad version of that the other you day. Watched the farewell? I watched the farewell. Nice. I want to see that. Um so Aquafina plays a a daughter uh well um uh, she is a Chinese immigrant living in New York. Not really, go- not really going anywhere. Her life's not really going anywhere, and she finds out from her parents that her grandmother is dying of cancer, and they've decided not to tell her because it's apparently a custom, or I guess sort of custom in China that if you tell someone that they have cancer, then they're gonna die. So she goes over with her parents for a wedding of her cousin, but they all agree it's just an excuse to be around the grandmother for a while because they don't they don't know what's going to happen. And as the movie goes on, she's, you know, working things out with herself and with her parents and with her grandmother and um I won't spoil the ending, but uh, yeah. So that's basically the plot. 
Um, I don't know. Like, I gave it a three. It wasn't terrible, but there were there were a lot of like a lot of A twenty four tropes, like a lot of slow mo. Uh, slow mo dancing. Yeah, there's some slow mo dancing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there um, is. A lot of <laughs> lot of slow mo walking. A lot of uh, that's another thing. A lot of somber chamber music. Just before I forget, that's another thing that the Joker uh, is really oh, heinously God. guilty. Slow mo dancing. Oh, there must God. be six different scenes where Joaquin Phoenix dances in slow mo. That motherfucker's going to win an Oscar just for dancing. I know it's it is absurd. Yeah. I I could not believe it. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, so yeah. Um, I mean the acting in it is is fine um but like it's it's really like for me it really doesn't hit the mark like it doesn't really leave you feeling any feeling any better about the situation I feel like a lot of things don't get resolved um yeah so 3 bummer. out of 5 bummer yeah and it is it is a lot like like it's, it's sort of supposed to be like this exploration of like um asian and specifically chinese culture and their you know how how they deal with death but i don't know you for me you you still don't come away from it learning having learned anything or like having a different perspective on things Mm. it's kind of it's kind of just presented as like Here's here's a different culture's views of death, and that's it. So, well, that's a real shame. Uh, I uh, I watched Lucky Day, which is Roger Avery's first film since uh, Rules of Attraction, and uh, I'm obviously Rules of Attraction is in my uh, top ten of all time. I love it. So I have to see this, and uh, I downloaded it and I watched it, and it's not great. But uh, he was interviewed on the Brett Easton Ellis podcast, and he actually claims that he had the same amount of money to make this movie as he had to make uh, Killing Zoe. Mm. And so you can imagine that amount of money. Which is not much, Yeah, right? and that was uh, four and a half million, he said. Oh, okay. So how much that money would stretch back then as opposed to now. <laughs> and uh, you can see it. Uh, there's, you know, he's he's definitely constrained by his budget. But it's not a terrible film. It's well made. Uh, even, I mean, honestly, there's quite a bit of uh, like blood effects in it that actually are pretty solid. And a lot of it is CG, but it looks, I don't know, it doesn't look too bad. Mm. Uh, not advocating CG blood, but, <laughs> you know, you got to do what you got to do. Crispin Glover is in it as a uh, scary uh, French hitman who's just completely uh, vicious. And uh, he's quite good, actually. He's mm. a lot of fun. Uh, everybody else who's in it is, you know, whatever. I don't even know who these people are. They're mm. nobodies. Uh, although Cl- Clifton Collins Jr. is in it. Oh, nice. What I, which I imagine was just a big favor for Roger Avery. And uh, he's the, a parole agent and a parole officer who's uh, just really funny. Just a lot of fun in the movie. But, um, you know, it's okay. It made me want to rewatch Killing Zoe, which I did. And uh, I love I love Killing Zoe. It's uh, amazing. It's not as good as Rules of Attraction, but it's really really fucking good. Um, yeah. So, like four and a half, amazing film. Eric Stoltz rules. Uh, <laughs> good deal. Uh, I you know I also just real quick I'll talk about The King, which is the new Netflix movie from David mm-hmm. Michaud, who directed The Rover, which I really like. 
Um, he did another movie for Netflix in between this with Brad Pitt called War Machine, which I never watched. Uh, I wanted to see that. Yeah, didn't hear great things, but yeah, I didn't yeah, see I didn't it. Either. Same same deal. I didn't hear anything yeah. good about it, so I just didn't watch it. This movie is about Henry V. Uh, so and it's got Timothy Chalamet and Robert Pattinson in it. So <laughs> I was on board. None needless like to two, say. Your two favorite guys. Yeah, these, right are, now. these are my boys right now. You know, I gotta gotta stand by my boys. <laughs> right. Um, Chalamet is uh, miscast. He's not right for this role. He's kind of it's it's a little laughable. Some of the Ooh. stuff that he has to do. He gives a Braveheart esque speech before a battle, and he just doesn't have the voice for it. And uh, it's weird because they I don't know they they like I guess they directed the soldiers not to react to him in any way, so they don't like cheer or clap for his speech. He just gives it, and then they start fighting. It's just really weird. Wow. And uh. He's really scrawny still, which is like, you know, I don't know. It's just like you're wearing armor all the time. You're going to be scrawny? Like, I don't know. It's just kind of yeah. weird. He's just he's just a weird choice for this role. Yeah. I will say uh, Robert Pattinson, who's in it for two scenes, uh, steals the film. He's great. He plays the uh, French prince who's leading the battle against mm. Henry V. And uh, just amazing. <laughs> just really a lot of fun. In fact... I would highly suggest you not watch this film and simply go to the scene with Robert Pattinson where he confronts uh, Chalamet, and it's just a mm. blast to watch. Nice. The film does look great. It's probably got the best cinematography out of any Netflix movie I've ever seen, although I haven't seen Roma. But uh, Or Dolomite is my name, but continue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but this movie looks, looks fantastic. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if you're really super into British history, maybe you'd be into this. But uh, it's mm. just not didn't didn't do much for me. I'm wondering how he's gonna look as uh, as a trades. Oh, in he's the gonna Dune look movie. amazing as a trades in the yeah, Dune I mean, movie. I'm so jazzed. Like, yeah, like I, like, I, I keep he just got giddy. I, yeah. Well, like I I could I could see where he's coming from because like like. Obviously, Sicario is really good, and like I like I look at the cast for this Dune movie, and I'm like, these are all like really fucking perfectly well, cast. I should say Villeneuve is the the my reservation about the film. He's I, the I agree. Thing, he's the I thing agree. I don't want. Well, like involved. I well, like I like I liked Sicario, but then like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, yeah. it's like the mm. guys made the guys made two good movies. You know, right. I really like Arrival. Oh, I hate Arrival. It's I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't care for it. Yeah, you're wrong, Jerry. You're outvoted. Enemy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> enemy's, enemy's good. I was like, don't say prisoners, but yeah. No, I, 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 I don't, I don't dislike prisoners, but I. I've been meaning to it's watch not, that. Uh, it, it does have a lot of problems. Mm. Anyways, uh, Jerry. All right, I'm going to talk about a good movie now, which <laughs> feels weird today. Um, I watched the Laundromat, which is another goddamn Netflix movie. Do they own me? <laughs> Apparently, Apparently. they own all the best directors: Scorsese, Soderbergh, fucking Quaron. Everybody's on Netflix. Mm. Wow. Um, So yeah, I watched. uh, I mean, this is like a narrative breakdown of the Panama Papers. It's, uh, you know, so it's kind of like a like an essay fiction, what what, docu fiction? I don't know, docu drama. Goddamn, I'm getting there. Getting there, guys. and it, it totally just initially stinks of the big short, a movie that I uh, hate. Um, As well you should. Man, so 
it, it, the whole movie is really like a grand info dump framed by this story of Meryl Streep's kind of a downtrodden widow who suffers this freak boating accident at the Niagara Falls trying to track down her insurance settlement and like figure out why she and the rest of the survivors can't get the money that they should. Um, around that there, we get these like financial lesson interludes from Gary Oldman and Antonio Banderas. Uh, and they're mildly amusing and Meryl Streep kind of haplessly tries to solve this shell company puzzle and we also get these sort of vignettes of corrupt, poorly behaved rich people. Um, so as a premise and description, all of that sounds awful to me. Um, but then uh, these things kind of somewhat tie in to this, you know, somewhat cohesive whole. And it's never great, but the cast totally is. And... Um, it has no real conclusion because American finance is still a thing that is full of corruption, but it goes to some like really satisfying places and the big short comparisons kind of melt away as it becomes much clearer what Soderbergh is doing. He is not recreating the big short. Uh, there's just, it just starts that way. So I gave it three and a half out of five. It is definitely on the like lower end of Steven Soderbergh movies, but Steven Soderbergh movies are awesome. So, uh, yeah, I, this Ooh. is, I, I don't understand why people are hating this movie so much. I haven't and heard people, anything about people it. People are, I mean, like it got poor reviews at, uh, I think it debuted at Venice and just, yeah, uh, got poor reviews once it was released on Netflix. It's, uh, yeah. Well, Venice gave the top price to Joker, so obviously we know where their mind's <laughs> yeah. at. Then, uh, and this movie is uh, shot on a normal, a red epic, so not on an iPhone, which is uh, good. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it does not look bad good. at all. I don't have to check it out. I uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, you know, as you would say, it's it's free. It's on Netflix. It's true, not obviously not enough. free. You pay for Netflix, but you have it. You it and, yeah, seems like uh, it's free. Mm. Yeah, I it feels like a Steven Soderbergh movie should be a much bigger deal than this is, um, especially with but, the uh, cast. Like Meryl Streep isn't you know it's so it's just weird that it came out on Netflix. It is, and then, you know, like it's got it's got people all over the place. Like uh, Jeffrey Wright is uh, in James this as well. Cromwell. Ah. Yeah, a girl from the Big Bang Theory is Meryl Streep's daughter. Wow. <laughs> Can't remember her name. Oh well. Mm. Uh, yeah, again, three and a half. All right. What you guys got? Kev? So I watched The Fury, directed by Brian De Palma, starring, starring Kirk Douglas and Amy Irving. And it's a little too long. Hmm. And, like, like I, and I got I to gotta say, like, when I, when I, saw what this saw what this was like i was reading reading like kirk douglas's wikipedia and i was like wait a second i remember this from the i sort of remember this from the de palma documentary oh yeah kirk douglas brian de palma and john cassavetes yes please (laughs) but then like they're enemies in the movie but they're like never on the screen at the same time except for like a couple of scenes and i'm like what is this this yeah um like both of them turn in good performances, but like the rest of the movie is just kind of 
Eh, not that interesting. And, uh, I don't know, maybe, like, maybe it's just too close on the heels of, uh, Carrie to deal with other people who have ESP and telepathic abilities. But, um, yeah, I just didn't, it didn't really do much for me. But I thought, uh, Kirk Douglas was really great in it. And Cassavetes, too. So, three out of five. And, uh, I'll just, like, real quick, uh, I rewatched uh, Catch Me If You Can, the Spielberg, Tom Hanks, Leo DiCaprio. It's good. Chris Walken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen it, but, uh. I saw a thing on Instagram the other day uh, on one of his stand-up specials. Robin, Robin Williams did a impression like like what if Christopher Walken was doing porn? <laughs> I'm inside you, <laughs> so deep inside you now, fucking you now, yes now. I came an hour ago. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Robin Williams, what a national treasure. Uh, so after I got sick with the flu, I had fever, and I uh, was watching Curb Your Enthusiasm mm. on Prime. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, and uh, Richard Lewis keeps popping up, and I was like, this guy, I gotta look at him. So I was reminded of, uh, at FYE, before they closed, there was this DVD cover that kept uh, popping out at me. Every time I was over there, I, I picked it up and looked at it, and there was a movie called Drunks. And so I was like, and it has Richard Lewis as the star of it. Mm. And it's like a drama about uh, an AA meeting and addiction and whatever. So I was like, you know what? I'll watch Drunks. And I looked it up and it was on Prime. So I watched it. And um, it's apparently it's based on a play. And uh, it's about these uh, people at an, at an AA meeting uh, one night in New York City. And uh, it's like, it's... Uh, Richard Lewis. It's Sam Rockwell in a very early role because it's from this is movies from 1990. Well, I think that was, it was actually. Uh, I think it's from 95. There's a there's some conf- conflicting uh, reports there though. Yeah, it's 95 on IMDb, but on on Letterbox is 97, and apparently it was hmm. released at festivals in 95, but didn't get a proper release till 97. Hmm. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Sam Rockwell's in it. Uh, What's her face from uh, Pulp Fiction? Amanda Plummer. Oh, right. From Pulp Fiction, and then weirdly, uh, oh, Ally McBeal. What's her name? Calista Flockhart. Right. Isn't it? She's awful uh, as a uh, <laughs> like a. She's awful. Like you don't buy for a second that this woman is uh, had anything <laughs> wrong happen to her in her life. And uh, Faye Dunaway is a hmm. like a middle aged. Uh, alcoholic or whatever Mm -hmm. and then there's also this one fellow who's quite good he's only in it for one scene and apparently it was his last film he died right after it Mm. his name was howard rollins do you guys know this guy Mm -mm. he was in um fuck i don't even know these movies he's (laughs) (laughs) anyways you kind of know if you saw him he's got like a he's got a familiar face but he's really good he's got this very uh emotional scene and the film, this, 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 and therein lies the problem of the film Drunks is that it's just like constant, like 
you know, next person starts talking and says their horrible shit that's going on in their lives and but they're going to power through it and everybody claps and the next person says another horrible shit and it's just like really exhausting by the end of it and I don't really care about any of these characters because I don't know them and the whole time Richard Lewis leaves the meeting early on and and it's like cutting to him and he's out in the world trying to decide whether or not he's going to start drinking and he goes to a liquor store and he buys liquor and uh he, that's actually the best part of the whole movie is like this him him out and about just like wrestling with you know his demons he buys liquor and then he's like he's like he's like looking at it and he like opens it and he smells it and he's thinking about it and then he just sets it on a bench and he leaves and then he ends up going to another liquor store and buying more liquor because he's like he's because he's making the decision like i'm not gonna do it right. and then he comes back he's like well i kind of want to do it though <laughs> so he goes and gets more and then eventually he uh after he takes that first drink he uh, spirals out of control and he ends Ooh. the night doing heroin. So Damn. He, he gets he gets way far into it. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's watchable. And uh, I'd say Lewis's performance is quite good, actually. Mm. And, uh, yeah, Kevin Corrigan's in it, too. You know, uh-huh. there's a lot of, like, this character actors. Oh, Spalding Gray shows up out of nowhere, oh. which is kind of <laughs> weird. Uh, it is weird. He's... All right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird to see him in like a. I've never seen him in a movie really. I've seen him in the the Soderbergh stuff that he did and uh, whatnot, but never really as a character. But I gave it a three mm. and a half. It's solid enough. And then uh, after I watched Drunks, I watched uh, uh, fucking The Mountain with uh, the new uh, Rick oh, Alverson nice. movie, oh, which right. uh, I'm sorry to report is not very good. It's uh, oh, bummer. Per- pretentious and esoteric and uh yeah i just it was not did not work for me uh it's everything i didn't like about entertainment uh exacerbated and uh you know enhanced (laughs) (laughs) so and nothing none of the good stuff so Uh. it looks good uh some of the acting is okay but a lot of it's just like goofy on purpose and Uh. like lynchy and almost and i'm just not i'm just i'm really I'm just not buying it, man. Not fucking buying it. It's cool location, so it's like shot in the upstate New York, I think. It would look really mm-hmm. good. And then after that, I watched John Wick Parabellum. Or, John, sorry, John Wick Chapter 3, colon, Parabellum, uh, which is just awful. <laughs> I don't, the, I'll, I'll tell you, JR, I saw your rating for this one, and I was just like, I cannot believe he gave this thing four out of five. The, I'll tell you what, though. The first maybe 15 minutes really solid i was like this is gonna be good this is gonna be a return to form when he goes into the museum and he like he like has to put the western gun together and then he shoots the guy with it and then he just drops it and runs away i was like that's really cool and then all the knife fighting stuff was really interesting and uh him fighting the guy in the library i liked all that shit i thought the whole movie was just gonna be him getting chased around new york and having to kill but then the like (laughs) The second he's like leaves and goes to Morocco or whatever, I was like, "Good, just get me out of here. This is the worst." <laughs> and Halle Berry and all her bullshit, and they're like team, <laughs> and how she's got these ridiculous dogs, like a fucking video game. She's sicking them on people during the middle of the gunfight. It was awful. It was so bad and really boring. Anytime there wasn't shooting going on, it was boring. And even when there was shooting, a little boring. Yeah. Just brutal. Just not for me. Not and at then, all. And like, then, then you get to Mark Dacascos. I Okay. No, 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 no. No? Mark Dacascos is... You liked it? He was the 
saving grace of the film for me. <laughs> really? He knew what movie he was in. Everybody else is, is acting so grim and serious. Wait, and Mark Dacascos is such a goofball. I loved it. Now that, you, that? now that you put it that He's way. He's the villain. I, the, the guy, the sushi the, guy who the ball gets hired guy. to kill. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now that you put it that way, I totally see it. I totally see it. And I've always liked, uh, I was a big fan of Only the Strong when I was a kid, which is a movie that he was in. Uh, he was the star of where he was a teacher in an inner city school. He was like a sub and he came in and he taught the kids how to fight capoeira uh, style, which is like the Brazilian martial right, arts. Yeah, yeah. And then he had they had to fight a street gang. <laughs> did you ever like, watch uh, Double Dragon? I did, yeah. I liked that too yeah, when I was yeah. a kid. Yeah. Scott Wolf and him. Totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Solid. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, hmm. so now we know why John's never seen Casablanca because <laughs> he hates Morocco for some reason. Such <laughs> a horseshit. No, I. You know, I was thinking. I, I thought you were going to say I should have watched it. Well, <laughs> instead I watching this, but I, I had a fever, man. Wasn't feeling it. Mm. And then I watched Deadpool two finally, which I've had rented from the library for a year and a half, and uh, it was okay. It wasn't as good as the first one. And uh, that's, I mean, I, I rewatched the score in Primal Fear. I don't have anything to say about them. They're fine. Mm. I, I'm, I'm done. JR? Are you guys out of movies? I'm done. I am out of movies. Then this will be uh, my grand finale. I saw Parasite. Bong Joon-ho's uh, movie that is currently in theaters is making, you know, good money in America and is a hit in, uh, internationally. Mm. Um, and is also kind of a... You know, his return to Korean language cinema after uh, Snowpiercer and the Netflix film Okja about the giant pig. I don't know if you guys remember those. But, uh, yeah, this is really fucking good. Uh, I'm sure you guys are surprised to hear me say that. But, uh, yeah, it's a family of unemployed deadbeats. They get, or the son of in this family gets this unique opportunity when his friend recommends him to take over as a rich girl's uh, English tutor. tutor. And uh, once he's in the house and sees how just kind of gullible this mother is, he sort of hatches a plan to get his family members employed by the rich family. And, uh, the beginning is really interesting because it's it's this kind of weirdly dark class comedy and there's this kind of feeling of menace throughout the first half that I, it's kind of just like didn't make much sense. But then uh, then the movie takes some genuinely or what I thought were genuinely surprising turns. And I don't want to go too much into it because it is a fun movie when you don't have any idea what's going on. Although I imagine uh, you guys will go read the spoilers on Wikipedia right after we finish recording. I listened um, to a podcast where they talked about it, but I don't <laughs> okay. remember what they said, to be honest. So. Um, I'm, I'm not going to, I want to go in fresh. Yeah. And this, you know, I said earlier this, when talking about the Joker, that this is definitely like a, you know, deals with class and it's uh bongs fifth consecutive film to explicitly deal with class issues. So he's definitely, uh, you know, into that. And as far as like the subtlety factor go goes, this is a uh, this movie is actually much closer to the directness of Snowpiercer, which I rewatched last week to make sure that uh, this comparison made sense. Uh, and because Snowpiercer, I don't know if you guys remember it, is not a subtle mm. movie in uh, in any way. Yeah, uh, not that this is, this movie's not like Snowpiercer. It's just it is very open with what it is trying to do. Mm. Um, 
more so than something that is a little bit more nuanced, like the class issues in The Host or the class issues in Mother, two of his earlier movies. Um, the kind of the father of this poor family is played by Song Kang Ho, who is in Snowpiercer and is in The Host and is the star of the movie we're about to talk about, Memories of Murder. And uh, he just, like, fucking kills it in every scene he's in. He has, like, the weirdest... As he's getting older, his face is just fucking weird. And it is so <laughs> expressive. And it's just... It, he's It just makes him this weird presence that I just... I love every time I see him. Uh, I don't, you know... I don't, like, pretend to know a whole lot about Korean stars. But, uh, yeah, every time I see him, I'm I'm in. And this is a four and a half out of five and is my actual number one movie of the year. Whoa. Not uh not Midsommar. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I'm, I have it downloaded. I plan to watch it, just haven't got around to it. Yeah. Did this come to Louisiana at all? Uh I wanna say it did actually play around here at some point for like mm. a weekend. Yeah. But I was able to it is still in Denver at the Alamo, which is nice. Mm. I was happy that I got to see it at a, in a theater. Cool. Just because, you know, I want to give director Bong my money. Right, for right. sure. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's go right into... Can we go right into Memories of Murder? I'm not the host. I'm sorry. Uh, there is no host. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, you have anything else? No, that was it. Okay, let's talk about Memories of Murder from 2003, directed by Bong Joon-ho. Uh, and starring the guy from Parasite, apparently. Uh, JR, this is your show, bud. Yeah, all right. Um, yeah, this is... Uh, I saw the host in, I guess, probably early 2007, early 2006, whenever it had its uh, release. I think I saw it at um, Segan Village in Baton Rouge. Mm. I saw it in a theater in Baton Rouge, but... It made me immediately go. Okay, yeah, definitely made me go seek out his older movies. So I saw this and uh, fell in love with it for sure. This is a, I mean, this is a a police procedural sort of about a, uh, you know, starts with a brutal murder in a rural South Korean village town, small city. If it's a small city, it doesn't look like one. Definitely looks like a village, but. Uh, the police don't have the experience, knowledge, or resources to properly investigate this. And the lead detective, who is Song Kang-ho, who I just mentioned, uh, resorts to arresting and trying to beat a confession out of this like local disabled kid. Or maybe like a 25-year-old. But uh, <laughs> then they send uh, Seoul sends a young and more experienced detective uh, to assist with the case, who at first just is like watching the village cops, like be shitty yeah and uh all that like they all refuse to work together and then of course this killer strikes again um and it's uh kind of spirals out from there it is considered uh korea's first true serial killer case and it uh it like stresses the limits of the korean resources and attitudes about policing and it's uh, it's just really interesting to see we uh we get a lot of like korean stuff that you know, I can, I can't make context. I, I don't know the context of without reading about it. Like we see these snippets of riots in this era, the late eighties, 
it's clearly like a tumultuous time in Korea. Mm. And um, it kind of feels like Song Kang-ho and his uh, partner and his police chief represent kind of this old way of policing with their bad cop, bad cop routine. And uh, the Seoul detective is sort of attempting to bring, um, you know, Korea into the uh, to the modern way, the new way, analyzing clues and forensics, kind of bring in nuance to policing. And uh, and in the end, both ways fail. The village cops become uh they recognize their methods can't work in a case like this, and the city cop eventually resorts to the same beatings that the other guys did because uh, everyone just gets so fucking frustrating because they can't figure out what's going on. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, I'll let you guys kind of talk about this, eviscerate this before I uh, go into what makes it work <laughs> for me. Who is this guy? <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> so, yeah, what, uh, what were you guys' thoughts? I mean, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, uh, the uh yeah the the lead uh city detect uh inspector park like i i thought i thought he was great like um like like even like even though he was like pretty incompetent himself i love i love the fact that he just could not believe that everyone around him was so incompetent as well because they were yeah. like it, like it was it wasn't like him just uh you know oh you're not just saying you're not doing a good job like no like everyone was doing a terrible job um, and that, that poor, uh, policewoman, <laughs> like, they're just trying to get her to make the coffee and, and then it's like, no, but they're playing, they play this song every time there's a murder. It's like, all right, all right, whatever. Yeah, and, um, just... <laughs> and the, the drunk, uh, uh, captain, uh, or chief throwing up in the, in the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, like i i really liked how like i really liked the tonal shifts of the movie like going from like like unintentional comedic police procedural to like all of a sudden being like very thriller and uh going back and forth and having like such a such a weighty presence like especially especially towards the end where with uh with park like you know like like it starts it starts off as kind of a joke like i can see i can see with my eyes i know i can look into people's souls and i can see them but then like like you get a you get a little further and it's like no like he really believes it and he wants it so bad but it just doesn't work and yeah yeah and the the comedy here is there is um it like it right man goes right up to the line of being just way too broad and absurd for what the rest of the movie's doing but uh for me like you know these like this cop who's just he loves to just kick people yeah. and just he drop kicks everyone and just for some reason that uh, like the way it fits into how incompetent he is it just works and also is like a reprieve from how dark the subject matter is and it's a mm. uh, there's a lot of drop kicking in this movie. Like when yeah. Detective Park shows up and uh and Song Kang Ho just gets out of he the car. He took my first comment here. Oh. <laughs> say so much jump kicking. He's yeah. not the only one who does it either. His partner does it. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's jump kicking everybody Sorry. in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't Wait. remember them mentioning Jackie Chan in the movie, but I'm guessing these guys were watching some yeah. Jackie Chan movies from like the eighties. Leaping over tables yeah. to kick people in the chest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the way some of it is filmed, I was like how did they get this? Like, 
how did they get a stunt guy to do this when like when he pulls over the car and just you know the guy who ends up being the cop but he thinks yeah. he's a hitchhiker who's gonna kill someone he, like, like leaps down the hill at him <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's like one shot and i'm like dude song king ho probably really fucking hurt himself there <laughs> right um but yeah, all right. Sorry, hijack. Yeah, because that's okay. Yeah, because D- Inspector Park is not athletic in the least. No, <laughs> but he's still able to execute a perfect drop kick. A lot of a uh, lot of kicking. I uh, I liked it too. Uh, thought the cinematography was very nice. Looked really nice. Mm-hmm. Particularly yeah. the slow mo stuff, like the uh, scene when they're uh, dragging the kid out of the marsh. Uh, the pre- then, like all the press is there and everything, and his father's screaming at them and everything. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> I uh, liked how bumbling the uh, cops were, like how they were just completely, you know, like they're like totally corrupt, but they're not. But they're like, you know, they're good intentions, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, they right. think they've got the guys. So they're just like, well, we got to make this stick. Let's go make a footprint and take a picture of it, and you know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's all. That was pretty fun, and uh, you know, it was well directed. I haven't seen many Bong Joon Ho films. Actually, I think it's just this and Snowpiercer. But uh, you know, super, super good direction. Uh, I really, yeah, I liked that a lot. I liked the performances in it were good. I was confused about whether or not they had guns. And then when all of a sudden they pull out a gun at the end, I was like, I thought they didn't even have guns. Cause you never see guns in this movie. <laughs> right. There's like, yeah. I, was, I was looking at people's hips constantly trying to see, is there a gun on that guy's hip? And they never, you know, nobody ever had a gun. I really enjoyed the, um, the scene at the quarry where they like go and they're chase the guy into the quarry mm. and then they capture him. Uh, that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yep. I like that he like steals the guy's megaphone and the guy's like, give me the megaphone back. <laughs> he just like, yeah. like takes it back from him. <coughs> I have a note here that I don't understand anymore because I haven't watched this movie in a week and a half, two weeks. And I wrote game hack by retard kid. Any, anybody, anybody game, uh, hack? game hack. I, I got nothing by retard kid. I know who the retard kid is. Right. Yeah. I don't know what the game hack is. That he I hacks no a game? I don't know. idea. I really, really you buy Nikes. Like actually buy Nikes, man. Oh, yeah, that was good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I I really like the uh, scene of where the woman is attacked. How the guy is in the field. Oh yeah, yeah. And like he's in the background, and he's like this very ominous, very scary, very horror filmish. And when he like runs up at her, that's very scary. Mm. Uh, yeah. I liked all that a lot. Um, and then like that scene along with the bar fight scene when they fight in the bar, oh, man, when he gets his, uh, shin cut with the nail or whatever, that's like, those are my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Mm. Shit rule. And the, uh, I-, I love the bar fight just cause it's like the culmination of all this kind of violent comedy Yeah, that just like becomes darker and sadder as the movie goes, you know, and that, that bar fight, that injury, like ends up with him getting his fucking leg amputated. Yeah, which is a uh, tetanus, which is like a nightmare. That's I thought that was like out uh, of it nowhere. Also, I was like, that's crazy. Like, sequence ends with uh, a potential witness throwing himself in front of a fucking train. It just, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that that really caught me off guard. <laughs> the way, like, and that bar fight though is, I mean, it's funny, even though you know it starts because one guy is like just very sadly drunk. Um, and yeah, it's Bong. Bong is good at uh, at those tonal tonal shifts, as you mentioned. Because mm. like it can be both funny and sad and horrifying at the same time. Right. It was all of those things. Yeah. And yeah, this uh, 
Yeah, a, a lot of what works for me is what you guys already mentioned. Like there is that mastery of camera work, and every time that they're in those yellow fields, I am, I am happy, even though they're, they're the scene of a murder, the yellow marsh, I guess. Um, like in that first time, you see the killer like pop out, uh, and they you, you don't see the killer because that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be a mystery. Uh, but you, you know, you see the form of the killer pop out and attack that woman. It made it mm. like, I liked that they decided they were going to not just show dead bodies, but actually show some of the violence. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, Oh, I like all the stuff at the end too, when he's following the one girl and then he decides at the last minute to choose the other one. And it's right. very suspenseful. Yeah. And I, that's actually a mo- that's, is a moment I forgot about and I was really nervous because I was like that that woman he's initially following is uh is Park's wife right and I was like are are we killing Park's wife are we gonna get like the vengeance narrative going which I thought would have just been kind of easy yeah um and they did not do that still instead they killed that schoolgirl. Which, Thank uh, God they killed that schoolgirl instead. No, just, <laughs> uh, which which set up uh, that set up city cops kind of break. Since yeah, he had more, that's, it, the movie. that's his vengeance narrative, right? So, yeah. yeah, but I mean, even it just you know, just a twist in that moment was nice. No, I liked yeah. it. I liked how he uh, saw. I liked how they connected it too, like how he remembered because of the band aid. Mm-hmm. That was good. Very yeah. subtle. So, you know, a big thing i i think we have to talk about is uh is zodiac oh. uh zodiac oh. is basically this movie uh with less comedy even though zodiac has its own comedy but i really feel like uh fincher definitely saw this movie and was like the unsolved murder mystery serial killer thing could yeah. work you can have a compelling procedural drama if you have good characters which is uh what he did with zodiac and also recreated the killings similar to this but much in much more graphic detail mm. well also zodiac is more it feels like it focuses more on the uh obs- obsessive nature of the lead character mm. you know it, yeah. i mean the characters in here are obsessive to a point also but they're not like their lives aren't destroyed by I mean, maybe arguably, but it's not obvious that their lives are destroyed by their obsessive, you know, uh, writing about and pouring over the evidence, things like that. Right. I I think you you could say that Park Park is demoralized enough that he has to do a career change. Yeah, yeah. You know, at the end, it is revealed that he is a... uh, In the end is, you know, a nice little denouement, uh, but like where... He goes in his like taxi cab or whatever for his door to door salesman job, like goes to the same part where he found the first body and a girl there says some other guy was just here talking about something he did here long ago. Yeah. Mm. Which was, that was dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that is but, similar yeah. that is similar in tone to the to the ending of Zodiac when he when he meets he sees Arthur Lee Allen in the in the uh, hardware store and they just stare at each other. Right. It's got that similar creepy eeriness to it. Yeah. That's and, good. Yeah, and of course, Zodiac is of course not the exact same movie. I but I do think <laughs> it follows a similar sure a similar template, uh, yeah. and it does kind of you know replace uh, some of 
like bongs, tonal stuff, and comedy stuff with I mean, the Fincher's own obsessions. The, like the, obsessions. The, the thing you said about frustration and how the detectives are very frustrated and, you know, having not been able to uh, find the correct, even to, the, I mean, at the end, whenever they get the DNA report and he said it's not him and they're like so sure it was him. Yeah. And, uh, which I mean, it's, you know, probably still him. Come on. It's the eighties. The DNA reports bullshit <laughs> anyway. But, uh, you know, it's, it reminds me of, uh, of, of the frustration that they, that they feel in, uh, like Mark Ruffalo and, and mm. Jake Gyllenhaal's scenes when they're arguing over, you know, what evidence do we have that it's this guy versus this other guy? You know, it's like his boot size and shit like that. And they, they, they're both getting frustrated too. Mm. And, uh, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal's character also switches careers at the end of his film. Although he becomes a writer writing about the thing that he's obsessed about. So a little different, but yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, I told you guys not to, uh, Google, uh, this, case still have it um, okay uh, the reason i, I said I, uh, that wikipedia it you did <laughs> yeah okay. the reason i said that is because uh i think it was maybe october september august in the past few months mm. um someone has admitted uh confessed to these murders um and i don't i could not confirm this just because the articles i read were all short uh, English articles that were likely taking snippets from Korean ones. Uh, mm. But I, I don't think that he was previously suspected ever of this crime, but he is serving a life sentence for the rape of his like step, uh, not uh, sister-in-law rape and murder of his sister-in-law. Yeah. And, uh, at, and they found some evidence that pointed to this guy and initially he denied it. And then he, confessed to these serial killings and other rapes and killings that were not previously associated with this case. Right. Um, but we're, we're all unsolved. And so it's like, it's the, it's past the statute of limitations. So he cannot like, they cannot try him for this. Um, so I just, that is interesting. Apparently it is not that guy that they thought, uh, it is not that guy that definitely looked fucking guilty. Right. At the end. Wow. Yeah, it's Lee Chun Jae. Mm. Is the name of the uh, actual killer. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't didn't know any of that. Actually, I was, wasn't even uh until you said it was based on real events at the beginning of this uh discussion, I had for completely forgotten that it was. Mm. <laughs> it's like not even yeah. thinking about it. It apparently was a bigger deal than this movie makes it out to be as well. Like the Wikipedia entry lists like how there were like over a million cops from around the country involved in like searches for for this killer and certain like uh, victims when they were, you know, people were missing. It's a it was a huge uh, it was a huge deal in Korea. And uh, this movie kind of, I guess, really tapped into something important in Korea because According to Wikipedia, it was like the most viewed, attended theater mm. movie that year. Um, so, yeah. Big deal. Big deal at home. Definitely. Cool. It's really cool. Yeah. I um, You know, I don't have I don't have much else. I, uh, I didn't do a great note-taking job this time. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just uh, love it. Love it. <laughs> 
What lo- love it to what extent? Uh, to the extent that if I were to like make a best films of the century list, it would be very close to the top. Whoa. Um, so it's a five yeah. out of five. It is, yeah, for me, a five out of five, and that is actually that is higher score than it was. It was a I had it a four and a half, and now I'm at a five. Mm. Boost, Kevin, and it just like yeah, the time it flies. Did not feel the time on this. Yeah, I, I didn't feel like I felt it was pretty well, well, well paced. Yeah, for sure. Uh, four out of five for me. I'm also giving it a four. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't know what to expect going into it, so because mm. again, I have not seen many uh, Bong Joon Ho films, but right, you, you know, since then, since this movie, he's definitely operated within like genre filmmaking and almost in like a like he's a very commercial filmmaker like he, mm. his movies are definitely crowd pleasing i uh you know i highly recommend parasite but i am not confident that you know you guys would super enjoy uh the host mm. especially and the reason i didn't pick the host for this because i was like i just really don't want to hear them shit all over the cgi <laughs> of the monster oh boy uh, yeah that's that's um, uh that's could be so bad. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Parasite and Mother. Go see Parasite and uh, at some point rent Mother. Cool. Or download Mother. I will. I will do those things. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, next time on the show, it's going to be Kevin's pick. Mm-hmm. Kevin? So next time we are going to watch Tequila Sunrise, written and directed by Robert Town. It's another tequila. That's an easy, <laughs> easy song choice there for the opener. and uh, <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Starring uh, Kurt Russell and Mel Kurt Gibson Russell and Michelle Mel- Pfeiffer. And exactly. I have it on Laserdisc, so I might, oh, might okay. watch it on Laserdisc. Wow. It was free with the Laserdisc player that I bought. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're going to be watching Tequila Sunrise, a uh, film directed by Robert Town, who's in the news lately because uh, he and Fincher are making a Chinatown prequel series for Netflix. Hmm. Apparently. So cool. God only knows what that'll be. And uh, also next time on the show, I guess next time, the uh, top of the decade. <laughs> cool. I would like to. I'm ready. Got my list made. All right. Made. Well, we're going to do top movies of the decade i don't know how many there will be because honestly i made my list and it's like i'm up to like 65 already so i don't know (laughs) i gotta have to you know pare it down maybe but uh yeah yeah, so we're gonna talk our top movies of the decade when uh tequila sunrise go visit our website at filmyak.podient.co uh email us at filmyakpodcast at gmail.com and until next time, thank you so much for listening. Bye bye. If you go, he will draw men on them. When she learned that it is Jesus, she ran into the town, saying, Come and see a man who told me all that I've done. Is this not the messenger which is called Christ? He came to draw men on them. Oh, lift him up, that's all. Lift him up in his wife. If you tell the name of Jesus every while, if you keep him in your mind.
you give a shit about the Mandalorian? <laughs>